Christmas. It's just a few days away now, and Christmas Eve is even closer. Uh, Christmas Eve will gather in our online way, as we have the service will probably be available about noon on that day, and we'll gather actually from all over the world to celebrate the birth of Christ. And on Christmas Eve evening at 4 and 7, we'll have these outdoor worship gatherings. We're saying, you bring your mask and your Christmas spirit. We'll provide the propane heat and those hand warmers. Christmas is coming. A little different this year, maybe. All of the the hurry to buy a gift and the flurry to bake the goods and the scurry to gather the family. How is the family going to gather this Christmas? Will the family gather? There's still plenty of hurrying and scurrying, though, and all of it, let me be clear, to celebrate the incarnation of God, God becoming flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, the infant child born in the Bethlehem town who would become crucified and then resurrected Lord. And all of it, the Bible says, because he loves you. That's Christmas. Love. With its twin sister, Grace, that's Christmas. With its, their co-laborer, Mercy, that's Christmas. I got a text from a parent friend of mine trying to keep her job, trying to stay married, trying to raise the kids. Uh, Out of the blue, really, this was the text. I felt all my life, as I'm sure so many do, that we do actually have to earn grace. That each mistake is another tally on the board. And I'm just starting to accept that God sent his son so that we didn't have to bear the weight. Grace, that's Christmas. Mercy, that's Christmas. Love, that's Christmas. And I don't, I don't think my parent friend is actually alone. I think, I think some of us, and by some of us, I mean like a whole lot of us, have a hard time getting our hearts to embrace grace. Everything about our world suggests a different story. If you want it, you got to earn it. If you get it, you deserved it. The job, the promotion, the grades, playing time, the role. Time magazine doesn't give person of the year to someone who didn't do anything. We live in a world of meritocracy. How's that going for you? And then all of a sudden, the heavens open and the angels announce and God offers the infant child who loves you grace to save us grace. That's Christmas. I want you to listen with me to the story of one confronted by grace. That hard to get your heart around kind of grace. The kind of grace that leaves your, your lips Cursed and your tongue tied. You can't say anything. It's from the Gospel of Luke. It's chapter 1, verses 57 through 80. Uh, we'll listen now and look in just a minute. Now, the time came for Elizabeth to give birth. And she bore a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her his great mercy, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But but Elizabeth said, no, he will be called John. 
And they said, none of of your relatives have this name. And they kept motioning to his father, Zechariah, to see what name he would give him. And Zechariah asked for a writing tablet, and he wrote, his name is John. And they were all amazed. And immediately his mouth was open and his tongue was freed and he began to speak, praising God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all of this was heard throughout the entire hill country of Judea. And all those who heard it pondered them saying, what is this child to become? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And the Holy Spirit came upon Zechariah, and he began to prophesy, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up for us a Savior from the house of his servant David, as he spoke out of the holy prophets from of old, to Rescue us from the hands of our enemies and from all those who hate us. He has shown the great mercy he promised to our ancestors and remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham, that we, being rescued from our enemies, might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called prophet of the Most High. You will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of sins, by the tender mercy of God. The dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he was in the wilderness until the day that he appeared publicly to Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Again, it's Luke 1, 57 through 80. Elizabeth and Zechariah confronted by grace, as I'm confronted, as we're confronted by grace today. Here, here's my offering. Advent waiting promises grace. Isn't it amazing? And a servant kind of living. Advent waiting promises grace. It's always been God's heart. The first best expression of God's grace and mercy and love shows up at Christmas at the incarnation when the heavens open and the child is offered. But it's always been God's heart, grace. When the the embers of disobedience were still burning hot after the fall of Adam and Eve, God showed up and clothed them with compassion, grace. And when their son Cain rose up to kill his brother Abel, God showed up in grace to mark him so that no one would harm him, grace. And when Abram and Sarai, after decades and decades of despair, longing, hoping, wishing, waiting, God shows up again and promises a boy, grace. And for Ruth, a family. And for Naomi, a future. And for Esther, a chance, and for Rahab, an opportunity, and for Mary Magdalene, a life, and now for Elizabeth, a child, and for Zechariah, a boy, grace. The first best expression with the crucifixion and resurrection holding its hands is the incarnation of God, but it's always been God's heart. Grace. 
I love the way our story starts. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy to her grace. And then Zechariah, after the Spirit starts to dance in his spirit, he, he says the same thing. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us, grace. Just before Zechariah starts to sing, if, if you want to hit pause on your screen and go back to the earlier verses in chapter 1, you'll hear more of the story of Zechariah. Uh, he was hushed into silence by grace. He was overwhelmed into quiet by mercy. Uh, he, was, uh, he and his wife Elizabeth, they're old. They're getting on in years, and, and in fact, she's barren. He's a priest. He's selected by lot to go into the sanctuary to offer the prayers of the people to God on behalf of those who are waiting outside. And out of nowhere, an angel shows up. An angel starts announcing grace. An angel, an angel says, gift. He's yours. And Zechariah, he's a rule follower. He, you know, blameless according to all the regulations of the Lord. He, he wanted to figure out how this was going to go. So he says, now, now, how will I know? And the angel didn't take particularly kindly to that sort of skeptical questioning. So the angel says, because you did not believe, you will become mute, unable to speak until the day these things are fulfilled. So for nine months and eight days, full term and eight days, Zechariah is silenced, hushed by grace, quieted by mercy. And, they, and they show, the, the child is born, the gift is given. And eight days later, they come to circumcise him and they come to name him and and. and and Zechariah asks for a writing tablet, and he, and he, and he writes J-O-H-N, John, and all of a sudden his mouth is open, his tongue is freed, and he starts to sing grace. A mighty Savior has been raised up for us, grace. It's always been God's heart. And for a lot of us, and I'm going to just say most of us, it's just hard to get our hearts to embrace grace. Grace for you with the past you don't like to talk about? Grace for you with the future you're unsure about? Grace for you to extend to another grace. It's hard. For a lot of us feel like my parent friend. All my life I thought you did have to earn grace, that every mistake was another tally on the board. And then all of a sudden, Christmas. All of a sudden, the infant child. All of a sudden, Grace, mercy for you. I was listening to this podcast uh, recently by president of Princeton Theological Seminary, a pretty well-known preacher, Craig Barnes. Uh, the context is a little different, but he's talking about what we're thinking about now. I'll let, I'll let you listen. Could it be that people show up for fundamentalist preaching to hear about judgment because they think they deserve it? because they think the fundamentalist preacher judging them is right? Because they know that they are a bad dog? They, they're not, are, people are not confused by the fact that they are sinners? Uh, having been judged since the day that they were born, uh, having been judged by their parents when they were kids, and having been judged by their kids when they became parents, uh, by teachers and preachers and um, everybody who is measuring them constantly, <laughs> coaches and spouses and and then worst of all, the person who keeps showing up in the mirror, I think everyone in Judea comes out to say, amen, John, you preach it. That's right. 
this is right and it's good to have the truth told. What people are confused about is not that they're sinners, but that there's a means of grace. That's what they're really uncertain of. That's what we're really unsure of. Grace. We know the rules and we keep them more or less. We abide the law, basically. We're, we're sure of that. But grace? And this Christmas story, this Advent season promises grace. Isn't it amazing? And a servant kind of living. Zechariah puts it most clearly. We, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And all of a sudden, quiet Zechariah, who, who now can speak, sounds a little bit like Mary. Zechariah following Mary, here I am, servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And Zechariah says that we might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Grace urges us to serve. Grace launches us into service. Grace invites us as servants which is not a way of paying back the loan. God's gracious, so you better do a bunch of stuff so that you can pay down the balance. It's it, so overwhelmed by God's goodness and God's grace, you want to offer goodness and grace. That's the kind of servant we're talking about. Did you notice the odd, conver- I think, odd conversation around the naming of the child? John, what's the big deal? Who cares? (laughs) He's still going to do what he's going to do. I suppose maybe it's an act of, you know, obedience. They're blameless according to all the regulations of the Lord. After all, and the angel said, you'll name him John. So so when 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 the family shows up and starts saying, let's call him Zechariah, Mary or Elizabeth puts her foot down and says, no, he'll be called John. But why? Why did the angel insist? His name, John, means Yahweh is gracious, so maybe, maybe they wanted him to be named John so that every time they called from their porch steps, John, grace, John, grace. But Zechariah means God remembers. That's a good name, too. Why not Zechariah the Baptist? And if John the Baptist is supposed to be a sort of New Testament version of Elijah, the forerunner, the predecessor, why not call him Elijah? That would make sense. Make it clear. But John? They show up. They're going to name him Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth says, no. You'll name him John. And they, they kind of push back. They, they say, hey, let's get someone a little higher up on the chain here. Zechariah, Zechariah, what do, you, what do you want to call him? And he can't talk, you know. So he, he asks for a whiteboard, a pre-century whiteboard, and he etches the names, the letters J, O, H, N, and all of a sudden, he can speak. You will call him John. I wonder, I wonder if the insistence on John was, yes, obedience, the angel said, and yes, an announcement, Yahweh is gracious, and also about purpose. Not, not in the... Who does this one belong to? Name him John. This one will be offered to the Lord. 
This one will be a servant of the king. This one will go before the Lord to prepare his way. And in that way, I wonder if we're not like John the Baptist. Called to serve. Launched by grace into service. The goal of the human existence, the goal of the self, is not the self. It's not self-expression, you do you. It's not self-actualization, you can become whoever you want to be. It's not self-realization. The goal, all of those things have a part to play in our lives, but all of them are subordinate to a deeper reality. You belong to Christ, you're a servant of the King. So you find yourself having to say no to some instincts and some impulses and some inclinations because you're a servant of the king, offering your life for whatever part it might play in the better kingdom of God in the world. You're a servant. That's who you are. That we, being freed, might serve without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And of course the Christian tradition has been saying this over and over, the great confession of the Reformed tradition, the Heidelberg Catechism, starts by saying, I belong to Christ, and the first question and answer ends, so that from now on we live for him, servant, service. There it is again. This has been uh, maybe the strangest Advent leading into Christmas season of my life, for sure. I mean, mostly it's been pretty good quite fine for our family, really, but so much swirling. Uh, We're trying to figure out with my parents, how in the world are we ever going to have a Christmas gathering? We're trying to find enough heat so we can gather on their back deck and still celebrate Christmas with the grandkids. And it's not just been Advent, and it's not just leading up to Christmas. It's been, we're on our 11th month of some version of restriction or quarantine or isolation, differing opinions and difficult decisions. It's been a strange season. And if I can just offer, I have been so proud of our community. Not in the like parent sort of chest popping way, but in the sort of pastorally grateful kind of way. I'm so grateful we haven't gone down the road. I hear so many others go down. We've stayed true to mission. We've stayed true to vision. I can remember early on in COVID, I've told this story before. I love it. I'll tell it again. It was a Thursday. I came to church to see hundreds of masks hanging on a line for anyone in our community. I came into the building to see Pastor Jenna counting checks. We, we, she doesn't count the checks, so I asked, why are you counting the checks? She said, Stim- people were giving portions of their stimulus checks to give to the refugee family we love. I looked outside the windows of the gathering space, and there's a bunch of furniture in the parking lot. I'm thinking, what is going on? Furniture for our friend Walter, for whom we collaborated with an, uh, another organization in our community to provide a home. So now, this winter, in this cold, lo- below freezing, Walter sleeps in warmth. Servants. And people have been making phone calls to those who don't get to hear a voice all that often and writing cards to offer a word of encouragement and food brought to Holland Hospital's emergency department and signs staked in church lawns to bless them and in the hospital yard to encourage our healthcare professional servants. Shall I go on? 
I can go on. How about Thanksgiving baskets provided with Community Action House and now goods to be provided for my brother and my sister's house, adults with varying levels of ability. Why? Because servants. Shall I go on? I can go on. Last Sunday, after we gathered for Pray, Walk, Bless, one member of our community had to dart off to get to another family in our community who's battling cancer with a meal. Servants. Shall I go on? I can go on. But I'd rather you go on. I'd rather you go on being who you are, freed by grace to serve. That's who you are. We being rescued. Serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Advent waiting promises grace. Isn't it amazing? And a servant kind of living. So you go on now. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.